Yeah, man. All right. Tell you what, getting back in that stage time, there's nothing like it. Oh, man, I can't wait. Just one more week. Yeah. And then I'm back in the fold again. Well, you got you had a little scare there. A little scare, but scare's over. And we're back at the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris Quinn. My other co-host, Dominic Detola. We're just a couple of comics who love sports, talking sports, and we're just right back into the fold. Hell yes, we are. And we're talking a great goalkeeper. Goalie. And, yeah, excuse me, a goalie. I think and goalkeeper I gonna, soccer. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I was going to say a great goalie and a great drinker this man and i needed to party i didn't need to party i was gonna say i had no idea about this is one of my favorite things but just finding out little backstories about these guys you're just like oh okay (laughs) but here we go ed belfour blackhawks the sharks for a second and then most famously the stars yeah that's where kind of everything came together but uh Ed Belfour, uh, born April 21st, 1965, in uh, Carmen, Manitoba, Canada, um, was a uh, great youth hockey player. Great youth hockey player. Yeah, which uh, you see a lot of these uh, young Canadians go up into these juniors, and, and when they excel, they go on to this next level. Yeah, they usually go from juniors to the pros, but That's... he spent three seasons in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. Um, and in 1986, they won the championship. Yep. And uh, his team was the Winkler Flyers, which just makes me think of Henry Winkler. Exactly. I should have I... just called him the Winkler Fonzies. I feel like that would have been a good one. Oh, man, they need a name change. But um, he's 21 years old at this point. But instead of going, um, since he's undrafted, he goes to college. As a 21-year-old freshman. this I found that so interesting because he went to uh, the University of North Dakota. He went the Bobby Boucher route, basically. Yeah, well, and <laughs> they said that he was their freshman goalie, and he was older than most of the seniors. I can totally guarantee you he bought the underclassman beer. Oh, I am sure. And I mean, granted, probably North Dakota, the drinking age at that time was like 15. Yes. But still, still like... Hard alcohol. Yeah, hard alcohol. He's probably just like, hey, you guys sick of drinking hairspray? Yeah. Guess who's got an ID? <laughs> it's pretty... I mean, his story is pretty unorthodox because what we were talking about a lot of these great canadian players go straight from juniors they see this potential they sign them up they draft them and then they pretty much work them into their system yeah because you usually play like three years you play like 16 to 18 and then you're old enough for the nhl draft and he's not drafted so he goes to college and he fucking dominates uh, for the fighting sioux in yeah. North dakota yeah he win he gets uh, 29 of their 40 wins it was a new ncaa record win the national title and he's still undrafted that's the thing that i found really weird about this because it felt like he was the backbone of this team yeah with with a lot of this you know the stats that you look at and for him to just go undrafted is crazy i mean how could you get undrafted like the guy's a great goalie he's buying the underclassmen alcohol they're winning i mean great fucking resume right there i mean well, i tell it, you what it brings into question maybe there was some off uh, ice antics that were but it's just a weird one where maybe they, he was just this is over. the late 80s in north dakota yeah, i'm pretty right. sure like unless you're committing criminal minds crimes you you it's getting swept under the rug this is boys will be boys yeah this is definitely boys will be boys but uh he signs with the blackhawks yep yeah uh, he signs with the blackhawks after uh, north dakota and he's with the uh, saginaw hawks in the ihl uh, won 32 games in 87-88. And uh, in 88-89, he actually saw 
some time with the big club. Yeah, he played like 20 games or so. Yeah, he, he didn't do too hot, 4-12 and uh, 3, but um, he uh, spent the entire 89-90 season with the Canadian national team. And then this is where I, I read about this, but they were saying like this is where he really turned into an elite goalie because spending time, I feel like in the IHL, it wasn't necessarily the competition level that he needed. Yeah, and it's just like a very weird career arc. It's the him. weirdest. Yeah, it's just a. It's like, oh well, I'm I'm playing juniors, and then I'm going to college, and then I'm going to the minors, and now I'm on the Canadian national, national team, team after a small stint in the NHL. That just seems so odd to me. It's, I've never seen this. That's what I mean, though. And I felt like looking at his career once he got around these absolutely elite players in this national program yeah. that's when he really started to excel and that's when the blackhawks brought him in for that playoff yeah the playoff run and he finished four and two with a 2.49 goals against average so i mean like he's now set as their goaltender of the future yes. whether it was the time in saginaw or whether it's a time with the canadian national team which i'm gonna say is probably it that kind of like led him to an elite level that's when they're like okay we have a great netminder right now and he's still young even though he didn't come through that normal that normal yeah he's path. like 24 25 yeah, so he's just still, still young in hockey years yep i mean uh but uh 90 he's a rookie and he just comes out fucking firing yeah like he just comes out you know guns blazing like hello nhl here i am let's party well they say it was probably the best uh recent uh rookie goalie so yeah. that that's really what they were saying because i mean give me some stats because i'm about to list them off but i know you want them uh 43 19 and 7 record which means he was in goal for 69 of the 82 yep. games which is unbelievable uh 2.47 goals against average also led the league um and led the league in save percentage with a point uh with a 91 percent save percentage which made him the first goalie to lead the league in wins, save percentage, and goals against average. That was not matched until 24, uh, 2014, 2015 yeah. with Carey Price and the Canadiens. Yep. And uh, he wins the Calder Trophy as the Rookie of the Year, wins the Vesna, which is the top goalie, which is fucking incredible, and then the uh, Jennings Trophy for goals against average and was a finalist for the Hart Trophy, which is the NHL's version of MVP. And he was actually the first rookie goalie to ever do that. Yeah, To no. be a finalist in the for the Hart Trophy. Which so, is insane. Yeah. That's how good he was. Like, just yep. cat-like reflexes, just really on the ball with that. Right and, off of the bat, which is, you just see it in this Blackhawks team. And that was a period where the Blackhawks were starting to put together like a really good young team. I mean, like kind of led by Jeremy Roenick and they finished with the best record in the, I want to say it's the Campbell, it's the Western conference. I yeah. mean, this is pre or this is pre fucking expansion and extra expansion and shit. But even though they finished with the best record, they go out in the first round to the Minnesota North Stars, who had a losing regular season record, but the North Stars end up making it all the way to the finals that year and yeah. lose to uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, you can learn more about that on our Mario Lemieux episode, yep. which is somewhere, I believe, in the mid to late 20s. But uh, yeah, fantastic rookie year. He's basically established himself as the team's goalie. And heading into 91-92... The team has another goalie on the roster who's kind of up and coming. And this is something that throughout his career with the Blackhawks, I didn't necessarily see it as much. I think later, way later in his career, we see it again. But he constantly has trouble, just weird problems with backup 
goalies with it's, constant competition that it, that's it, what i think it is it's like he wants to be the motherfucker in charge and he is but it's like that creeping like suspicion like you know that competitiveness like oh fuck this guy and the guy we're talking about actually is uh who was his backup is dominic Hoshik, who is arguably a better goalie than balfour despite Belfort being a Hall of Famer. Yes. He's one of the greatest goalies of all time. Chicago ended up acquiring him from, at that time, Czechoslovakia, which isn't even a country anymore. And that's a period where you start seeing the mid to late 80s, the NHL really going after these fucking Soviet and Soviet satellite players. Well, we see the problem because they felt like Ed Belfort was going to be their future. They let Dominic Hasek go to Buffalo. Yeah, after the season. But uh, 91, 92, he only plays in uh, about 50 games. Yeah. He's 21, 18, and 10, which is great. And uh, his save percentage is less than 90%, and he has a 2.7 goals against average. The problem, or I shouldn't say the problem, is the team is really good around him. Yes. And they're so good, in fact, that they go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. And lose to the back-to-back. Back-to-back to the Penguins, yep. and they get swept. I was going to say they got swept. Yeah, they got crushed. So. And they're, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched this, but there's a game where they put um, Hasek in, and he's just absolutely beaten like a fucking redded mule in that game, and they have to put Belfour back in, yeah. and it's just sad it's sad to see how overmatched they were in the in that final but they were a great team and yeah. after the season they ship Hashik to buffalo and as well you had said before. yeah well that's what i was saying was a lot of that had to do with not his skill because they could see that Hashik was going to be a fucking great goalie it was a lot to do with the problems that they kind of chose bell for yeah they, they chose him which is a still a great choice you're yeah. not losing either way exactly but two uh, hall of fame goalies there so you're not yeah, and in 91, he uh, won the gold at the Canada Cup as a backup goaltender yep. for that team. Um, but he's still very successful, you know, over the next few years. Um, 92-93, he's 78-42-17, and 17, which is nothing to sneeze at. He's an all-star during this period. Yes. Um, the problem is for Chicago is uh, Detroit emerges as the new – team the new powerhouse in the western conference mm -hmm. and they can't really break through they're getting first round playoff exits um all the way through then in 94 95 they actually advanced to the conference finals but end up losing to detroit in the uh strike shortened season because uh he went obviously because it's strike shortened 22 15 and three yeah. 2.28 goals against average which is much better than you know, previously his save percentage is back over 90%. And then in uh, 95, 96, they end up losing in the second round of the playoffs to Colorado. Oh, yes. And that was a great, I don't know if you, we had talked about this, but um, Jeremy Roenick was talking shit about Patrick Waugh during the series. And Patrick Waugh, they interviewed him like, hey, what do you think of Jeremy's comments? He's like, well, I really can't hear Jeremy with two Stanley Cups plugging my ears because like he can't get the English quite right because yes. he's like a francophone speaker. So he's like, I've got the Stanley Cups in my ears. <laughs> but like Belfort is going against some of the greatest goaltenders in these playoff series and unfortunately coming up short despite being really good. Well, that's what these playoffs and when we're going to talk about it when he goes to the stars 
is the goalie duels are probably some of the best ever. Oh, yeah. No, like, I mean, in terms of, like, wins and talent yep. of all time, just, like, amazing. This is when the Western Conference in NHL, and I remember living in Colorado at this time, it's like Detroit's always there. There's three teams. Dallas is always yep. there. Colorado's Colorado. there. And, like, whoever's going to emerge is going to be one of those three teams yep. for pretty extended period and the fights i don't know if anybody oh yeah the fight episode i think four, four. Yeah. yeah you can go listen to that but uh back on uh, eddie the eagle and we'll get into why he got that nickname oh i love it uh in 96 97 so he's just over 30 years old still got plenty of you know juice left in his career but he turned down a contract extension from chicago all right now let me let me get into this so there's a backup goalie for chicago Yep. What's his name? I think it's Jeff Tackett or Hackett. Hackett, I yeah. think his name. So he wasn't. He's not like a. He's no, not. A, he's not like good. He's no. not. He's not like Hashik at all. Yeah. Um. I don't even think he became their starter afterwards. But no. Uh. Uh-uh. Um. He had a problem with him. Yeah. And then this is the this is what was said. He was he, there was a huge bust up in the locker room. He then refused to sign a contract, so that Chicago was like. We just need to trade them. Yeah, no- well, I mean, they're, they're lo- the logic for Chicago's front office is good because you have your top goalie going, you thinking you're better than me? Yes. But, like, um, the, the logic is sound because if he's not going to accept a contract they're offer... They're going to lose him for free. You're going to lose him in free agency for nothing, so you might as well try and trade him and see who wants him. And uh, what ends up happening on uh, January 25th, of 1997, so like basically the middle of the year, he's uh, traded for uh, Ulf Dahlin, Michael Sikora, uh, goalie Chris Terreri, and a second-round pick in 1998 to the San Jose Sharks, which for San Jose, you know, you're trying to make a playoff run, trying yep. to make a big midseason splash, but you got to know in the back of your mind, he's only contractually obligated to play for you for the rest of the season. And, you know nothing comes of it they don't make the playoffs and Belfort in the summer of 97 is looking for a new team hey everybody just want to take a quick break to uh, let you know that our sports experience podcast is brought to you by Engel Studio here and uh, they're here in Tucson for all your recording needs well they were saying that he went to the Sharks and was already committed to not staying, so he almost didn't even put full effort in. And that's hard to even say, but the team around him wasn't what he wanted. Well, yeah, and it's it's I can see it from his perspective because all those years he played in Chicago, they were a competitive team. Exactly. They were always making the playoffs. They made a Stanley Cup run. I mean, they had the best record in the NHL or in the Western Conference one year. Like, I can see because San Jose as a franchise is maybe five years old at this point. Yep. I can see where that could become frustrating. Yeah. But um, in a stroke of luck and great decision making, later that summer after 96 97, uh, July 2nd, he signs with the Dallas Stars. And that's probably the move that put. Dallas from a good up and coming team because they had put together a lot of good players like Mike Madonna and whatnot. They finally, you know, have their guy in net. Yep. After so many years of it kind of just being mediocre. And at this point, he has playoff experience. He has all this shit under his belt where he really can bring this team together and what we see just start making these runs. Well, I mean, and he had a career rebirth, if you think about it, because he's, what, 32 at this point? Yes. You know, 
ready to kick ass. Dallas that year in 97, 98, they win the President's Trophy. And you get the President's Trophy when you win, you have the most points. The most points, yeah. And went 37, 12, and 10, sub two, two. goals against average. I know. That's amazing. It's insane. Uh, almost a 92% save percentage. And they go all the way to the Western Conference Finals and they play one of those two teams. It's, so, r- it's so funny because it's so true. Well, this was the. Detroit went back to back and this was the second year yep. and they were just big red machining it all the way. And, you know, no shame in that, but no, that, that's the thing about these playoff runs is when you see Detroit, Colorado, Dallas break through, you're like, yeah, they deserve it this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then 98, 99 is where it all finally comes together. Yes. Wins the Jennings trophy for lowest goals against average, 1.96 goals against average, 35, 15 and nine. I mean, just, absolutely fantastic yeah dominant fantastic and in the playoffs he beats grant fear another Uh, one of our episodes i love it and then in a seven game uh western conference finals they finally beat the colorado avalanche and patrick wall yep and that sets up a very interesting stanley cup finals matchup between dallas and the buffalo sabers and the buffalo sabers have kept this goalkeeper that got (laughs) traded to them Dominic Hasek and they were like yeah he's the best goalie out there but they weren't the best team and Eddie Belfour is like you thinking you're better than me yeah (laughs) and in this series Belfour had did a hell of a job particularly in uh I don't know if you've ever watched this uh game six um Stanley Cup finals Dallas and Buffalo. The game goes to triple overtime, and yep. Dallas can clinch the series. Belfour makes 53 saves. 53 saves in the deciding game, and there is a lot of controversy. I don't know if you had read about this, about the final goal with Brett Hull being in the goal in the goal in the crease. crease. Yep. Yeah, with his skate yep. knocking it in. But it was a goal. The st- it's a goal. Yep. The Stars won their first of two Stanley Cups. Um, in their history and during the playoffs it was Belfour who won all 16 games yes he won all 16 games and that was probably the crowning achievement of his career I think so the the 97-98 season seems like his 98-99 yes excuse me 98-99 just seems like going through all these goalies beating Waugh and then coming up and beating Dominic Hasek at the end like I can't even imagine what that must have felt like I feel like he would have sent a box of his own shit to Chicago and said hey yeah take that But uh, the next year is just as good for Dallas. I mean, it, I shouldn't say just as good, but almost as good. Yes, where you know they're just as their their team is just as good. They're you know, yep, still one over thirty games. Yep, still over ninety percent save percentage, two point one uh, goals against average, and they're kicking ass and still beating Wa in the playoffs. Still beating Wa in the playoffs, and they make it to the Stanley Cup Finals again against those damn Devils. Against the New Jersey Devils who were quite the uh, team of this era. Yes. And uh losing 4 and 2 4 to 2 in the finals. Uh Martin Brodeur was uh that- the Devils goalie and he's Hall of Fame. Yes. I mean, he's one of the best ever. Well, so if you're, there's no shame in losing to him. If you're questioning why Eddie Belfour never was like the starting Canadian goalkeeper it's because of Martin. Well, yeah, you had so much goddamn That's what I mean. I mean, like, it's not even fair. I'm just saying. So there were just like guys, but a great uh, stat from that from that uh, series 
was I think through the whole playoffs he had four shutouts, but then in one of the games, I think it was game five, he had a fucking shutout over three overtimes. Yeah. It's insane. Like, I know. Just that's who he was. He always came up big and he's almost lost in the shuffle of, of these, this era yeah. of amazing goaltenders. And he's just right there. Yeah. He's right there. I mean, great player. Just an absolute great player. And um this is kind of when Dallas's roster, you make these deep postseason runs, the players get older things start to go a little bit downhill. Well, I saw there was a, a rift between the coach and the GM, and the GM wanted to clear house. And yeah. And that's kind of what... They wanted it, to rebuild. Yeah, it happens, but... And I feel like a lot of these teams are like, why are we rebuilding when we're still winning? Yeah, and I mean... Which is unfortunate, but you see it... it it's smart in a lot of cases. You want to rebuild a year early as opposed to yes, a year late. exactly. And that was kind of what the hang-up was because in 2000, 2001, they make the playoffs, but they have an early exit. 2001, 2002, they don't even make the plays no. playoffs. But he's still doing a decent job. He's 66, 47, and 18, so yep. he's still playing winning hockey. It's just at the end of the season, they don't want to... Like, he's played out his contract. Yes. He's played out the entire thing. They're just like... Okay, well, you're 36 years old, and we have a good uh, backup goalie who's young and Marty Turco, and we're just going to go that route. Yep. Thank you for everything you've done for us. And uh, July 2nd, again, oddly enough, he mm -hmm. signs with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. And it's always, it seems weird because when he goes to Dallas and then he goes to the, uh, Toronto, he has like a career rebirth in his first years there which I find so fascinating. Yeah, he definitely gets that. I guess it must be like that like invigorating of being on this new team, but like he really has these great 3-year periods when he first goes to a team outside of San Jose. Yeah, well, I mean that that one kind of doesn't count. He gets no, a mulligan for that. I was going to say he just didn't even want to do that. He's just like, "We're waiting this one out." Yeah, playing at the old Cal Palace, I think, but first year 37-20 and 5. Um, set a career high in save percentage with a 92.2%. Uh, unfortunately, they lost uh, four to three in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, and Toronto has been a much, uh, it's been a house of horrors for them since then. They're like the Cleveland Browns yep. of the NHL as far as like the mid 60s was the last time that they were like winning things. And it's been just disastrous ever since. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Following season, 0304, 34-19-6, still putting up great stats. Um, he had three shutouts against the Senators in the first round. I, I think that's so fascinating. That's he is such a great goalkeeper. And this is when he was 37-38 that he, he got three shutouts. So he, Yeah, and in the the next round, I think they lost in seven games to the Flyers. Yeah. So I mean against like, old Jeremy Roenick, his buddy. I yeah, saw that. Uh-huh. Definitely. But uh 0405, it's the lockout. I don't know if you remember that, yep. but like I remember during the 0304 Stanley Cup finals, I think it was Calgary and uh, Tampa Bay, and they were talking about like, oh, well, maybe they'll have a shortened season next year because of the collective bargaining. Nope, they didn't. They just canceled the whole season of hockey. And that was what led to ESPN dumping the contract yep. and, you know, it becoming an even more almost insular regional sport, which is unfortunate because, like, I used to always look forward to watching hockey on ESPN, you know. Well, it, it you can kind of see their sport and popularity kind of going down from there. And it also centralized, like you were saying, like, it, it really is 
certain markets absolutely love it. So yeah, and then oh five oh six, he just kind of has he he has a five hundred season, yep. and he's fucking almost forty years. He's forty years old. Yeah, like he's forty years old and still starting in goal. But uh, in that year, a couple important things happen. Uh, the 19th of December, 2005, he wins his 448th game, yeah. which uh, puts him in second place uh, ahead of Terry Sawchuk behind uh, Patrick Waugh at the time for uh, most wins ever, which is a testament to his career because if you think about it, he's not coming up at 20 years old. I know. At, he's 21 playing college hockey. He doesn't really get his first real NHL action until he's in his mid-20s. And yet here he is second on the all-time wins list at the time. It's because he, he goes deep in playoffs and he has great regular season uh, oh, yeah. records. It's, it's really, and that's what you want as a goalie. You want to just be constantly winning. Yeah, and then in, uh, two, after the season, 2006, 2007, he uh, finds himself in Florida. Yeah. And uh, that's another, another issue with his ba- backup goaltender, Alex All. Do you want to get into that? So was, he, was Alex All the backup goalkeeper at this point, or was he? Or were they really switching? I think they were probably switching. It sounds like I think all the team wanted to play him more just because he was younger and yeah. that type of shit. But Belfour's like uh, pulling the Mike Gundy. I'm a man. I'm forty. <laughs> so the report that the team stated was yeah. that the two guys were just horsing around, wrestling, whatever, and he injured him. He uh, Ed Belfour injured. Sorry, what was his name? Alex Ald. Alex Ald. And then reports from the locker room yeah, came out. The and they real were like, story. Nah, that was a real fight, and Ed fucking beat his ass. Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay. And I think he like injured him. Ed Belfour seems like the guy at a bar that if you cross, he'll take his shirt off and go full Randy Marsh and oh, be like, "What do you want to do, huh? What do you want to do?" I thought I thought I got traded from Canada to America. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. I thought this was America. <laughs> In a communist country. But, but he it, plays a lot that season, oddly enough. Well, somebody got injured. So. Yeah, somebody got injured because they got their ass beat. But he wins 27 games and has over yeah. a 90% save percentage. And uh, he even tied uh, that year, February 13, 2007, Tony Esposito, Hall of Famer, with his 76 shutout. Oh, which yeah. Which was eighth all time. I yeah. thought that was pretty incredible. But uh, yeah, uh, after his final season, um, he finishes his career with 484 wins, 2.5 goals against average, over 90% save percentage, and puts Cherry on top of the Hall of Fame career well, after Florida. I'll say this, and we look back to his rookie career. This is why I liked it so much was in his rookie career, he led the league in wins, saves, and goals against average. And then you look at the stats at the end of his career and you're just like, yeah, like 2.5. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like the the over 90% save percentage, like that kind of shit. You're just like, that's Hall of Fame numbers. That's first ballot. And I mean, he made it to uh, 2011 to the yep. Hockey Hall of Fame. But uh, he did finish his career, oddly enough, in Sweden. Oh, I saw that. Uh, he played for Lex Sands, uh, went 16-3-1, 1.79 goals against average and over 92% save percentage. Yeah. I don't know if he was there to pick up a paycheck. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he just loves hockey. I don't know what's going on in Sweden. Maybe he just loves the women. But he was an eight-time All-Star, All-Rookie, uh, one-time Stanley Cup winner, Calder Cup winner, and two-time Vesna winner, which yeah. uh, 
That's nothing to sneeze at. That is nothing to sneeze at at all in, in almost 500 career wins. Especially in that era. Yeah. That's something that, like, just making the all-star in that era with all those goalkeepers is wild. Oh, absolutely. Um, And uh, you want to bring up his nickname? Oh, yeah, yeah. So he... When he first came to the Blackhawks, he had an eagle on his on his helmet. Yeah. And it was just like goalkeepers kind of had that, like their own. Everyone little, had their own style. Yeah. Everyone had their own kind of like panache with their uh, goalie masks and stuff. It wasn't like the old just wearing White. a Jason mask, yeah. you know, from Friday the 13th. But and, and the coach was like, all right, that's your name now. The Eddie eagle. eagle. Yeah. Mike Keenan. Mike Keenan. That all right. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, quoted as saying, I always liked the eagle as a bird. It's a strong figure representing individuality, leadership, confidence, and outstanding vision. It's hunting and aggression are uh, qualities I admire. So when I was thinking of what I wanted on my mask, the eagle was a natural choice. And it, he's always had it throughout his whole career, and it yeah. kind of changes throughout teams, and, and it's been it's awesome. Oh, yeah, totally. He had, uh, what did they say, like an old 41 Willys car on the back on of the it. On the back, yeah. because yeah. he's obsessed with motor vehicles, and uh, make-a-wish thing on the chin. For yeah, because he, he is to. hugely involved in that, and has been, I think, throughout his whole career and post-career. Oh, so. totally, yeah. Um, do you want to get into his off-ice stuff that didn't involve locker room fights? Well, let's put it like this. He's Canadian. Yeah. So the Canadians, they like to drink a bit of the swill. Yeah, drink a, drink, drink a little bit of ripple there. You know? Um, uh, October 20th, 2000, pled guilty to a misdemeanor charge of where he made a woman feel unsafe in a Dallas hotel room, which I don't know what that entailed, uh, but... He was very intoxicated when this happened. And that's this is something that, because he keeps getting in trouble with police, but he gets intoxic- intoxicated to the point where he's almost incoherent. Which makes what happens when the cops pick him up even better. That's what I mean, yeah. Because when he's picked up, tell him what happens. Well, the cops pick him up and he's just like, all right, if you don't arrest me, I'm going to give you guys a billion dollars. Which is like the most Doctor Evil thing ever. Like starts yelling for the suitcases. Like it's yeah. just like the cops are like, yeah, all right, all, all right. right, sort this one out in the tank, there, friend. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm kind of surprised he didn't go with the. I'm at Belfour. Yeah, I play for the stars or do that fucking whore Reese Witherspoon. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I'm Ed Belfour. That would have been the best. Oh, and he did but it in that Canadian, voice. Yeah. You know who I am, friend. Friend. I'm not your buddy, guy. Just starts touching their shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Come on, friend. <laughs> I can't even do the Canadian one like that, but it's just so good. But he really had a problem with alcohol. It, it seems like it. He uh, paid $3,000 for resisting arrest. Then he's in Florida, April 9th, 2007, um, with one of his teammates. Um, he was so incoherent outside of Florida nightclub, uh, just completely loaded, that they had to take him away. And I'm pretty sure he, like, trashed the hotel, too, Oh, he right? totally did, yeah. yeah. Just completely destroyed it uh, out on $1,500 bond. And then uh, we're getting into some recent stuff I now. Getting, I was surprised at this, man. This is, I, I think he knew in the back of his mind that COVID was coming when you consider the date, and he's just like, one more banger to end everything. That's exactly what I thought. He's like, look, shit's closing down in two months. I'm going to fuck some shit up. Time to fucking rage. <laughs> But it's pretty much the same. It's the same 
story, different chapter, uh, January 28th, 2020, Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, went to the Warren Township Regional Jail um, at uh, out there in Kentucky. Third degree criminal mischief, drunken public, damaging hotel property, again, and it said he was so intoxicated with alcohol to a point that he was a danger to himself and others, which... If that's not a Hall of Fame hockey player, then I don't know what is. Exactly. He's just like, do you know who I am? In Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah, we know who you are. But no, he had an incredible career. I mean, it was, I remember watching him as a kid yep. and a young adult and one of the NHL's best goalies belongs in the Hall of Fame. Great character. Just fun to research. Hey, everybody. This is just a stock message at the end of every episode. We hope you enjoyed whatever athlete and or team that that episode was about. Just want to say, give us a quick follow on all social media. We have a YouTube channel, the Sports Experience Podcast, and we're on Instagram, Detolo Dominic and myself, Sequin Comedy. So give us a follow all around. Um, we're always recording right here at Angle Studio. Thank you all very much. <laughs>